The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my so God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Hello and welcome to Payoff Pitch, the Action Network's baseball betting podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Sean Zarillo, joined today by Anthony Rondo to break down the game ones, the four game ones going on across the Major League Baseball playoffs. Essentially a holiday for me. I hope it's a holiday for you too and that you're able to take in these four games starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time with the Rangers and Rays and concluding with the Marlins and Phillies at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight, four games spread out throughout the day, but both sets of AL games and NL games will end up overlapping. So you can enjoy the final four innings, essentially of game one, and then move on to the final four innings of the following game. We're going to start with the Rangers and the Rays and take you through all four games on this Tuesday slate. Jordan Montgomery going against Tyler Glass. Now I do not project an edge on this game. I do not project an edge on this series in terms of a side or a total worth betting. Projected this line around minus 130s. The Rangers sitting at plus 137. I'd probably need something closer, about plus 140, plus 145 in order to back them. Uh, Tyler Glasnow has been great in the second half. Jordan Montgomery, really solid for the Rangers in the playoffs, but I do, or in September, but I do project a pretty substantial difference between them about a run in terms of an ERA projection. The Rays have the better offensive results on the season. If you splice the season up by the second half, by the final third, the Rays actually have the better results too, even when Corey Seager came back healthy and was in there for Texas. So Tampa Bay actually has the better WRC plus on the season. They had the number one bullpen in the second half. Huge bullpen differential between these two teams. I think the question marks surrounding Tampa Bay's lineup, where Junior Camonero hits, how much he's going to provide for them whether Curtis Mead is going to be in the lineup at all, just sort of how Tampa Bay plays this out, what they do in terms of platooning against lefties and righties will determine how far they go in this playoffs, but would not overlook the Rays, even losing Wander Franco midway through the season. Still a very dangerous team, a very dangerous organization. And I think eventually they will break through and win the World Series. Not sure if the current crop of guys they have is going to do it, 
They need to wait a little bit longer till Hamanero gets older. They get Xavier Isaac up on this roster, but I think the Rays are going to be dangerous for years to come. Just do not see value on game one worth betting for me or on the series. Anthony, any different opinion on Rangers and Rays? Yeah, it would be Rays or nothing for me. I talked about Tyler Glass now yesterday uh, and how dominant he's been since coming back. And, and you can just look at his numbers in the second half of the season. Uh, he has pitched 78 innings with 98 strikeouts, 21 walks, a 3-2-2 ERA, and a 2-5-5 FIP. He's been a dominant ace-level pitcher. The stuff plus numbers are through the roof, the strikeouts, the whiff rates. Everything you want to see in his profile is fully there. And he did pitch against Texas once this year, pretty much dominated six innings, uh, one hit, one run, six strikeouts. So uh, I have a lot of faith in the Rays, but they're fully rested bullpen as well. There's not a single inning in this game where the, the Rays will not have a, a pretty solid pitching advantage. Uh, and so I guess the only question is, you know, last year we saw home field advantage didn't matter much in the playoffs this year. You know, we'll see what the crowd looks like, but it is a weird travel spot for Texas because if you think about it, they had to play a four game series in Seattle, lost that on Sunday afternoon, and then had to tra travel all the way to Tampa for this series. So certainly at an early start. So certainly a little bit of a, of a travel advantage for the Rays who, uh, you know, didn't really have to travel all that much, relatively speaking, and do get to play at home. So, you know, that factors in as well. I know, Sean, you mentioned props that you like on Caminero and, and, and Yandy. Yeah, I bet you Drew Caminero to get a hit just for the vibes, you know, first playoff game. Uh, just like a gut feel wanted to bet him. That, there's really no justification for that. In terms of Yandy Diaz over one and a half total bases, did project that out closer to 1.9. So I think the math actually says you can bet that up to about minus 110 and still leave as few percentage points of an edge in terms of an error bar. But yeah, Yandy, you know, he's seen Jordan Montgomery 21 times. He's put every ball in play except for the five times that he walked, so he's never struck out. He excels against Jordan Montgomery's pitch mix, which is primarily fastball and curveball against right-handed hitters. He hits lefties way better than he does righties, about 23 points better in terms of WRC+. And he's presumably going to lead off in this game. Uh, always have to be concerned about the Rays potentially platooning. Also, Tyler Glasnow, high highest projected strikeout total on today's slate. Anthony, you mentioning their fully rested bullpen. They're not going to mess around if he gets in trouble. So Tyler Glasnow, second time through that lineup, bases loaded, one out, bases loaded, no out. Maybe they leave him in, but the Rays have always been very aggressive. Kevin Cash always been very aggressive pulling his pitchers in and out of games. Pretty quick hook. So would not go betting. Tyler Glasnow is over on his strikeout total. And one book in particular offers a market where you could bet on the daily strikeout leader. Uh, Glasnow is the favorite in that market. I believe he was around plus 300, plus 280. We'll get to another pitcher in a second who I would actually prefer to bet in that market. So Cameron Nero to get a hit. Yandy Diaz over one and a half total bases up to minus 110. That's the actual prop that I would play in this game, but no other bets for me. Anthony, any props for you on Rangers and Rays 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC? Yeah, nothing for me. Uh, may tell you on Yandy just to have some action in the first playoff game. It, it, Glasnow's total is all the way up at seven and a half. Uh, yeah. Obviously he's the highest of the day. Uh, you know, he could shove and throw six innings. And if he goes six, he probably goes over seven and a half. But uh, like you said, short series sprint bullpens, you know, needed here. Uh, cash aggressive management. Like if he gives up a couple of hits, uh, he could be in some trouble. So certainly uh, an interesting market 
strikeout props are always tough to play in the playoffs overs, especially in these short series. So that, that's one thing to keep in mind as we get into uh, as the next game. Yep. I actually did fire very small on three strikeout total overs today, but you know, Tyler Glasnow, if anything, I would lean to the under as we discussed, and we're going to move on to my favorite game of the day, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Minnesota twins, 438 PM Eastern on ESPN. Kevin Gaussman, Pablo Lopez. We discussed this game yesterday, essentially on our playoff preview, because I mentioned that I do prefer Pablo Lopez as the pitcher. If you're taking war over a full season, Kevin Gaussman tends to always outproduce Lopez just because he's a bit of a workhorse, even though Lopez actually, I believe, threw more innings this season. But if you take their effectiveness on a per inning basis, Lopez is the better pitcher. And arguably, the Twins have the better bullpen, too. It's negligible, uh, but I think they do when you add in, you know, uh, guys like Chris Paddock, Brock Stewart, Louis Varland, who didn't throw a ton of innings at the end of the year, but all of whom have pretty elite fastball stuff that you're going to stick into that bullpen on top of Yohan Duran, who I think is the best reliever that either team has in this series. And the Twins also have the better offensive stats, not only over the full season, but over the past 30 days over in the second half. So the Twins basically have the advantage for me everywhere in this matchup, aside from outfield defense, because the Jays do have the best defensive outfield in the league. So uh, the Twins, a fly ball hitting team, you know, maybe balls go deep into the gaps that don't necessarily leave the yard that Varsho and Kiermaier track down that end up swinging the series for them. But I do like the Twins quite a bit here, not only in terms of the game one line, but as we talked about yesterday, also their series price projected them to win this series 58% of the time. So you bet their series price up to about minus 125. And I would also bet their game one line projected them closer to about minus 125 in game one. So bet that up to about minus 115. And their first five line, I actually make them bigger first five favorites. than I do full, full game favorites because the bullpens are basically neck and neck. Uh, so I would bet the twins up to minus 125 for the first five innings. So like Minnesota across the board, I also like Pablo Lopez, not only to get over six and a half strikeouts today, but it's seven to one to potentially lead all pitchers in strikeouts today. Lopez absolutely electric down the stretch. He seemed to be peaking his pitch modeling metrics seem to be peaking, getting to a 110 pitching plus in September while Kevin Gaussman essentially went from a 105 pitching plus earlier in the year to a 100 pitching plus in September. So two pitchers for me moving slightly in opposite directions. Lopez peaking. Gaussman may be feeling the effects of a long season. Anthony, uh, I believe you are on the Twins as well. Tell me uh, why we may be in agreement or why you are avoiding uh, the play that I'm on. Yeah, I talked about this yesterday. Kevin Gaussman splitter this year, uh, one of the best pitchers in baseball, north of 40%. On his whiff rate, the twins are a lineup that has a lot of swing and miss. So you would expect uh, them to swing and miss a bunch at his splitter. And yet, uh, despite them having, you know, below average numbers against splitters, like you mentioned yesterday on our show 27th, I think you said this season run value against splitters uh, and the two outings that they faced Gausman, he had uh, four plus walks in both, which only happened in three of his 31 starts this year. So two starts against Minnesota, four plus walks, one start. Uh, where he had four plus walks against Texas. He was really bad. Other 28 starts never went above that number. Pretty much a plus command guy generally uh, overall. Uh, usually you know one or two walks per outing. Then you look at the whiff rates on the splitter. 
in the, the meetings that he faced them. 24% whiff rate uh, in the one outing. And then the other outing was 19% called strike whiff rate, 23% whiff rate. So they uh, were able to stay off the splitter, uh, you know, whether they have something on him or not. They have had a really good read on it this year, and I don't think it's noise. So I'm going to go with Minnesota here, minus 110 at home as well. I'm going to make it, uh, you know, a consensus play. Otherwise, you know, where do the advantages lie for t- Toronto here? Weighted runs created plus against righties, Minnesota. Bullpen, probably comparable. Uh, home field advantage, of course, to Minnesota. Uh, and so, you know, starting pitcher advantage to them as well, with uh, Lopez doing a better job of keeping the ball down when he does miss and keeping the ball out of the, uh, you know, from giving up homers. So I think that Minnesota is the, the better team here. Toronto has taken a bunch of money in the series and in this market, and I disagree with it. So I'm going to go with the Twins. Yeah, and the last thing to mention, you know, there was a big disagreement between my projection and the Fangraphs projection on this series. I have the Twins, as I said, closer to 55%. Fangraphs has the Blue Jays closer to 55%, and they favor them around 55%, both in games one and game three, which would mean that there's a 10% disagreement between my projection for game one and the Fangraphs projection just for game one on top of the series projection being about 10% apart. So a huge disagreement here. I completely disagree with being able to make the Blue Jays favorites. So would the betting market, which has taken the Twins just a little bit higher, closer to 110 after opening at minus 105. But more importantly, I've been keeping a close eye on the series price markets because this was the one that I fired into most aggressively. The Twins got down to even money at one book. I bet it again. They moved to minus 105. And eventually the market has moved the Twins closer to minus 120, both domestically and offshore. So I like to see those offshore prices moving towards the Twins. It did seem like they were tipping towards the Blue Jays a little bit yesterday. And there was a disagreement between where I was betting and maybe where there was bigger sharp money action coming in. But it seems like maybe those have flipped and people are piling on the Twins, or at least the money has aligned back towards the Twins and driven this line closer to where I think it should be but still plenty of an edge left in that line. And when you're shopping around for lines, make sure to check out BetMGM because payoff pitches presented by BetMGM use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming, Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 or older. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
Let's move on to the National League Game 1s, and we're going to start with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Brandon Fott taking the ball in Game 1 with Zach Gallen going last Thursday, I believe, as the Diamondbacks made their playoff push. Maybe it was last Friday. Gallen will be available for Game 2, and Fott, the rookie, going to have to take on former Cy Young winner Corbin Burns in Game 1, and Burns was really good at the end of the year. In September, 146 stuff plus, the highest pitching plus rating of any pitcher in baseball. Burns sort of fluctuated up and down throughout the year. There was points where I was betting against them. There were points where I was betting heavily on his first five lines, depending on the form he was in. At one point, his strikeout rate completely flipped from where it was in previous years. His, his level was just all over the place this year. But to pitch modeling metrics credit, they were all over it as his trend moved up and down. You know, I think there are faults you can find with pitch modeling metrics, the way it was still rating guys like Adam Wainwright and, you know, guys who seem completely washed. But in terms of identifying Corbin Burns level throughout the season, I thought the metrics were literally on point the entire year. And it was very evident based on, you know, the eye test, uh, how effective Burns was. But right now, Burns in peak form, Brandon fought, it seems like he'd be up against it and the big key here is the Brandon Woodruff injury for the Brewers which knocked their series probability down about four percent for me Woodruff one of the best pitchers in baseball it is only one game that he won't be pitching and the Brewers still do have Freddie Peralta so still a pitching advantage for the Brewers the Woodruff injury does impact the series to a pretty substantial degree but the betting market for the series price also adjusted in concert I did see essentially where the Brewers were minus 170 the Diamondbacks were plus 140 or something like that. And now the D-backs have moved closer to about plus, or I should say the Brewers have moved closer to about minus 130. You know, wherever the the plus sign was in front of the Arizona, that's now a minus sign in front of Milwaukee, essentially. So the line moved about as much as it should have or as much as I would have expected it to based on the Woodruff injury. But in terms of the game one matchup, I projected Arizona closer to plus 142. So I actually do see an edge in the snakes and it basically comes down to brandon fott's development of his form throughout the year too you know fought first came up absolutely got lit up in his first stint went back down to the minors came back up got shelled another start in late july uh allowed like 25 runs in his first 25 innings in the big leagues it might have even been more than that he actually posted above average above average pitch modeling metrics during that time a 102 pitching plus went back down to the minors came back up the rest of the way he stuck in the rotation carried a 406 expected fit a 42 era a 19 strikeout minus walk rate which is about six percent above average and also a 103 stuff plus a 106 location plus so the pitch modeling metrics improved the results improved and by the end of the season brandon fought had very much settled in as like a mid-rotation number three starter the results, though, tended to be either feast or famine. He was either getting hit and giving up five runs, or he was throwing six shutout innings. So we don't really know what type of Brandon Fott we're going to get on a start-to-start basis, but he did get his level at the end of the year to a point where I'm comfortable projecting him as sort of a mid-rotation arm. That has substantial upside. I like the strikeout total overs for both pitchers in this game. I like the under for this game, I projected this total closer to 7.3. It's the only total that's moved up from seven and a half to eight. So the under eight 
at minus 110 or minus 115 or better, I should say, with my total at 7.3, but also betting the Diamondbacks here at plus 155 or better compared to my number of plus 142. So Diamondbacks and under and the over on both strikeout totals for both pitchers. That's where I'm going with Diamondbacks and Brewers game one. A lot of thoughts for me there. Maybe I'll recap it after, but Anthony, I want to hear your thoughts on D-backs and Brewers. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Fott is somebody that I lost a lot of money betting this year. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I'm I'm a little snake bitten, pun intended. But the reality is everything you said about him trending up in the right direction. And it pretty much feast or famine. The famines have come when he's given up the big three-run homer or two, you know, two-run homer. And the feast has come when he's given up one or two solo shots. It otherwise been really good. So, you know, the the hit totals per nine have, have slowly trended downward. The walks per nine have trended downward. The strikeouts have trended upward. Everything you want to see, uh, except him kind of solving this home run issue, has been really impressive. And so uh, I would certainly agree with Fott being better than the market thinks. I do find it interesting, you know, Craig Council has been pretty aggressive with Burns and letting him go uh, and not, you know, giving him the quick hook. And so that certainly helps your strikeout over because if it's the fifth of the sixth inning, they've been pretty aggressively letting him go through games, even if there's runners on, uh, even if, you know, he's struggling for command. Uh, Council has, has kind of left him to go out there and trusting his best guy. So I think that's notable. I don't know if that will change now that we're in a short playoff series, but certainly something to watch. And, I am targeting stolen base props. You can find hmm. over one and a half steals, team steals for the Arizona Diamondbacks at plus 145 at one book. I think this market is one way where Arizona has a chance to close the gap and take risk hmm. as an underdog. Victor Caratini was one of the worst catchers in the league at holding runners this year. 56 out of 63 qualified catchers in uh, catchers caught stealing above average. Uh, his caught stealing rate was amongst the worst in the league as well, uh, 58th out of 63. So it's been a real issue for him, and it's been a real issue for Burns, holding runners. We talked about this yesterday as well. He is in the bottom half of the league in holding runners. So it's a perfect combination where the math is going to add up for Arizona to go a lot, and I do expect them to try to take advantage of that at every turn. So that's where I'm looking in this game for sure, and I, I do lean toward the under with you as well uh, because I, I think that you know Arizona – Bullpen depth is not good. They do have a couple good arms here that they could trust if it's a tight if it's a tight game late. So uh, I I would lean toward the under, but I'm playing over one and a half steals. And then you know with Woodruff going out, the prop that I gave out yesterday with Milwaukee winning tonight and Arizona winning the series, it looks a little more live. So yep, uh, we'll see how that goes. Yep, I'm sure that number adjusted just a little bit too after that injury, as did everything else. And that, that's always something we're checking, you know, when books adjust the main prop market, right? The series price, all of the other props should adjust in concert with it. This The sweep price, the 2-1 price. So sometimes they don't. Sometimes their algorithms aren't set up to automatically adjust and they have to go in and manually adjust things. So as markets like that, as the Woodruff injury happens and you go and check your four or five books and see, okay, well, all of them adjusted the series price, Go a step further, go in and check the exact series score, the series spreads, and make sure those have all adjusted correctly too, because sometimes they don't. And that's where you can find an edge just based off of a book being a little bit lazy. Uh, One thing to your point about the steals, Anthony, I did bet Corbin Carroll to get a steal today, plus 215. Don't think that's necessarily a good price. Just wanted to have some sprinkle action on props throughout these games. But uh, Corbin Burns' career 16.4% caught stealing rate 
The MLB average the past couple of years, not this season, but the past couple of years was 19, or I'm sorry, was 24%, about 24.5%. This year, it dropped 5%, closer to 19.5%. So Burns, throughout his career, has been well below the major league average, which was closer to 24%. I said, again, this year it was closer to 19%, but you have to bake in that full career sample. And then both Victor Carantini and William Contreras, career caught stealing rate of 19.5%. So both below, 5% below what would have been the major league average last year, closer to what would be the major league average this year, but both below average defensive catchers in terms of throwing runners out. So like your over one and a half steals prop, And now we get to move on to your favorite team, Anthony, your Philadelphia Phillies. Taking on the Miami Marlins, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, the defending NL champions back at home for three games. Uh, Discussed this with our former colleague yesterday, Raheem Palmer. He actually recommended the Phillies to sweep 2-0. And I did the math live with him on the pod. And I was like, yeah, Raheem, that's pretty sharp. I projected that line at plus 170. That is roughly what the price is out there. So, you know, I bet the Phillies to win the series at minus 185, projected that line closer to minus 205. I just think this Marlins team is so depleted from what it could have possibly been come playoff time. No Sandy, no Yuri Perez. Luis Arise going to play apparently, but he's so banged up. The guy is literally limping to first base, will not be able to leg out doubles. He hit great in September, but Arise, I'm telling you, like this guy barely made it through the season. And if they weren't in a playoff race, he might be getting surgery because something seems like it's clearly wrong. But the Marlins banged up. They're going to need to hit home runs to win the series. They're probably going to need Jorge Soler to hit a couple bombs or Jake Berger to hit a couple bombs if they want to win this series. I don't necessarily see it happening. I would probably recommend the Phillies to sweep as well. But I think, you know, the the edge between the series money line and the sweep price is basically negligible. So you could go either way. Uh, you know, with it sitting at minus 190 and plus 170, respectively. Don't see a bet that I like on a side or a total for game one. I projected the Phillies around minus 140, minus 145. That's roughly where the Marlins are sitting on the plus side of things. So closer to betting the Marlins, but probably going to be no bet on this game on a side or a total. I also made the total around seven and a half, and that's right where the market is as well. Uh, and I don't believe I placed a prop on this game either so no action for me anthony at all tell me if you got anything on your phillies yeah so i do lean toward the under on the zach wheeler strikeouts uh i know Derek cardi from the bad x uh mm-hmm. who does some great stuff with rotor grinders he uh projects it lower than that and uh i generally agree with with that you know his strikeouts have been kind of fluctuating throughout the course of the of the second half he hasn't been as reliant on the strikeout uh and so you know we saw that last year in the playoffs as well where Wheeler wasn't really overpowering guys with strikeouts. It was a lot of, um, you know, pitching to contact and getting weak contact that really propelled him. But I do expect him to throw a little harder. So, you know, watch his velocity because that's really important because, you know, he wasn't sitting 97, 98 at the end of the season. He was closer to like 95, 96. Uh, that's a big difference in fastball. And I think if he's closer to that, then the Marlins should be able to get some balls in play here. So that's something to watch. A bet I did make, and I agree with Raheem Palmer, is that I bet uh, Phillies to sweep. They're going to go back to their tried and true formula. There's been a lot of debate in Philadelphia about who the third starter should be. Some crazy Philly fans don't even think Aaron Nola should be the second starter, uh, but he is. And Wheeler and Nola has been the formula for the Phillies last year in the playoffs and, and is going to be what they rely on this year. You talked about this yesterday. 
I don't have a ton of confidence in the third guy, whoever it is. Ranger Suarez has not been as good this year as he was last year. Uh, Chris Sanchez has a home run problem. And like you said, the Marlins left-handed, uh, you know, success against left-handed pitching has been well-documented this year. They have a lot of big, powerful right-handed bats uh, that hit lefties pretty well, whether it's De La Cruz, Berger, Soler, those are the, kind of the big three. So uh, I do think that the Phillies would be behooved to win this in two. And, and the, the biggest question is whether we're going to get the good Aaron Nola or the bad Aaron Nola. He's been so up and down this year. The underlying metrics have always liked him more than the actual ERA numbers, but that's been true for Nola for a long time. He, he too is not great at holding runners. Uh, and that will be one thing to watch tomorrow for a potential uh, Marlon Steele prop, maybe Jazz Chisholm or something. But as far as the series goes, plus 175 Phillies to win in two games uh, is my yep. bet. And uh, thus I will be betting the Phillies essentially tonight. Uh, another interesting thing to watch who starts in left field for the Phillies because Brandon Marsh has not really hit against lefties at all. They haven't even given him at bats. So we could see Christian Pache or Weston Wilson tonight in left field. Uh, you know, arise is a big question mark as well. So we'll see where he bats and, you know, I'm assuming DH, but how much is a DH worth if he can only hit singles? Uh, that's a real question. Yeah. I, uh, I projected Pache in uh, instead of Marsh. So that would be my presumed lineup for the Phillies. Uh, so worth noting on Jesus Lazardo, first half, one of three pitching plus 3.2 expected FIP, 23% strikeout minus walk rate. Second half, 99 pitching plus 412 expected FIP, 17% strikeout minus walk rate. Whereas Zach Wheeler, for me, was peaking towards the end of the year. Uh, he was tied with Nick Pavetta with a 112 pitch po pitching plus rating in the second half, which was the best mark in baseball. His results didn't necessarily align with that, but in terms of the handicap, the pitch modeling metrics, I was handicapping Zach Wheeler as good as any other pitcher in the league over the second half. So two pitchers, again, moving in opposite directions for me, but no edge in terms of a side or a total on this game. The one player who stood out, maybe from a player prop perspective, the one other guy who was powering that Martins lineup who scares me and who the Phillies can't get the platoon advantage against with the lefties in their bullpen is Josh Bell. 10 for 36 lifetime against Zach Wheeler. Couple homers, has struck out eight times. Got a 22% strikeout rate, so a bit below where Wheeler typically is in terms of strikeout rate, but I projected him for one and a quarter total bases today. Uh, I believe over, over half a base was minus 175. That's a minus EV bet. That's like a minus 3% edge. So couldn't actually fire on that. Would need minus 140 or better to bet on Josh Bell to get over half a base. Uh, but that was the one player I was considering targeting. And I would be concerned about Bell. You know, as you mentioned, Bell, Berger, Soler, Brian De La Cruz. Like, if those guys hit five home runs amongst them in three games, the Marlins are going to win the series. So they gave themselves a chance to go high variance against teams. And I actually don't mind the approach because it was probably the only way they were going to gain an advantage. Uh, they weren't going to go out and you know, acquire some massive superstars. So like the Padres getting a Juan Soto, like that's not something the Marlins are ever going to be able to do or ever probably going to do under Kim Ang. She seems to be hoarding those prospects. And I think the Marlins are not necessarily going away. This may be the first of potentially consecutive playoff appearances for the Fish, even though they're in one of the toughest divisions in baseball. The Nats getting better. The Mets won't be this bad forever. And the Phillies and Braves are not going away anytime soon either. So the NL Beast continues to be strong. The AL Except East the going, up, going up against the AL Central, I think is interesting with how poorly these Central teams have performed. Uh, I guess we have, you know, Western and East between the Rangers and Rays. 
But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how these central teams eventually shake out in these playoffs. I mean, Jays, Twins, AL East, AL Central. So Marlins and Phillies going to take one another out. But uh, I, I'm really curious to see how the central division teams perform this year. And I'm sure you are as well, Anthony. Yeah, I'm excited to see the Twins. If you want to lean into the vibes, uh, Josh Bell, notorious Philly killer, 907 yeah. career OPS with 14 right. homers and 200 at-bats against the Phils. So certainly uh, some nightmares coming. And uh, that will be a fascinating matchup tonight, just all the power in that lineup. Like I mentioned yesterday, though, Zach Wheeler, generally very, very good at limiting home runs. Ballpark tonight, uh, you know, suggests there's a little bit of a hitter's bump, but I don't really see it in the numbers. Two two to three mile-an-hour wins, not really any wind forecasted tonight uh, at Citizens Bank. Uh, and pretty seasonable temperatures. A little warmer, a little more humid, but not nothing crazy. Yeah, I make it 7.7. 7, so, you know, a plus money over 7.5 maybe gets there for me. But even that is is probably a... Uh, a stay away. My uh, my team killer, the guy who killed my team when I was a kid was Pat Burrell. Uh, absolutely owned the Mets. Uh, I just pulled it up quick. Pat Burrell, career 245 average against the Mets, but 42 homers and 106 RBIs in 162 games. So he basically played a full season of games against the Mets in his career and had 42 bombs in 106 RBI. Pat Burrell absolutely murdered me as a child, but he did go to the University of Miami. So we have that in common. Can't be too mad at the guy. Absolute legend at the U. For Anthony DeBundo, I am Sean Zarillo. I hope you enjoy all four games today, all four games that we have tomorrow. Anthony, over under two game threes that we're going to have on Thursday. Uh, over. Well, over two. I think it's going to be exactly two. Yeah, that's why I set the line at two. Fair enough. One and a half uh, over For two Anthony, I am Sean Zarillo. We will see you back here tomorrow for another episode of Payoff Pitch with the same eight playoff teams. Best of luck on your bets tonight. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.